Damian Lillard is on the move, and it's Milwaukee, not Miami. How did this happen? And we'll take a look at the trade. We got Jordan Palmer going to talk quarterbacks, a great Joe Burrow story, how Tua is doing it, and why he thinks USC is going to try to roll against Colorado. Life advice and the Alliance Parlay is back. This episode is presented to you by Lululemon. The perfect pants do exist, and you can get them at Lululemon. The men's ABC pants are shockingly comfortable and breathable, and they come in tons of different styles and fabrics, all made to make you look and feel good. Whether you're in the office, at the gym, cheering in the stands, or just relaxing at home, these pants are in a league of their own. Buy a pair today at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Lillard is on the Milwaukee Bucks, and I'm not happy about it, but I'm also happy about it. Let's explain. Let's start with the trade. So the details are thus. Milwaukee gets Dame. Portland gets Aiton, Andrew Holiday, three-teamer with Phoenix in this. They get a 29 unprotected first, pick swaps in 28-30. Why did Phoenix want to do this? Well, they get Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little and Keon Johnson hasn't really done much except be super athletic for Portland. I've always kind of liked Little uh, a little bit. Grayson, you know, he can shoot. He can actually provide something in rotation. The weird thing is Phoenix feels like they have a lot of guys, but now it's kind of like, well, what about Aiton? At Aiton's peak, heading into the finals against Milwaukee a few years ago, it felt like he was flirting with some really, really great territory as a player. Could this guy be a top 20 guy? I know Bill and I probably went a little too hard on what he could eventually be, but it seemed like the perfect fit. A mobile guy could stretch the floor a little. Whatever it is, I don't think Aiton has it. Uh, I think he's a really talented dude. He's going to put up numbers in Portland, but I don't think he has the it thing that you'd want out of somebody with a team that has championship aspirations. Now, the Milwaukee side of this is pretty simple. Dame is better than Drew Holiday, sort of, right? Because Dame is one of the most dynamic scorers. I think he'd be energized, new place, first time ever in his career. You're playing with Giannis. So this, the high side of this could be real problematic for the rest of the Eastern Conference. It also maybe puts you in a better position with Giannis, who I think scared a few people by being very open-minded, talking about his own future, where I think Giannis, if you look at his history, he's just a little bit more pragmatic about stuff. But some people saw this as real flirtation with moving on at some point. Maybe that solves that problem. Uh, the problem you may have now is that Dame Lillard has a consistent diet of eating screens. And in the regular season, that may not mean anything. But when you had Drew Holiday at the top of your defensive positioning, uh, that was a lot different for the back line and everything else everybody had to do. So that's going to change things a bit. But I understand it for Milwaukee. It's kind of an all-in, all-over again. I've always been kind of fascinated with how they were going to have to reinvent this thing around Giannis to keep him happy and to continue to contend throughout his prime because where he's at and where the other players in his on his team were, were just simply older. And it's not like Dame is young. So I get that part of it. Um, the Phoenix part, I think a lot of it had to do with just moving on from Aiton, who didn't fit in, as we've covered. I also think when you look at the money part of this, Aiton was going to be $32.5 million this year, 34 next year, $35.5 million 
The only money they're really taking back here is Nurkic, and then Little's contract is is minimal. Uh, it's actually a really good number for a guy that maybe is in a rotation. I don't even know if he will be with this team. I don't like Nurkic. He's hurt all the time. The defense can be atrocious. Maybe they maybe they salvage him because there was a time there in Portland where it looked like he was going to be a, a real guy. So really what this comes down to is, does it make Milwaukee the favorite in the East? If Giannis is right, I still think they're the best team in the East. I mean, that whole thing got so weird and it will be forgotten in history of him going down and then how bad they were even when he came back and just falling apart mentally. Just watching a team fall apart mentally against the Heat is not the greatest memory ever, but it's still really weird that they lost that 1-8 matchup and Giannis missing half the minutes in that series definitely plays a part in the whole thing. Um, Boston, it feels like no one's really excited about them, but they're in it. They're clearly in it. Although Porzingis having a foot injury at that size is exactly the best news ever. But look, they weren't going to be able to get him unless they gave him an extension for him to opt into the whole thing. And that kind of leaves us with Miami. And this is why I'm I'm not happy about the trade. Because let me start with this. When this timeline with Lillard got going, it was lingering for a little while. And then leading up to the draft, what happened? We were talking draft. It's like, well, look, Portland may want to trade that number three pick. And there's some idea that they've told Lillard that they were going to trade it. I will never believe that a front office would be dumb enough, especially with how hard, if you look back historically, how hard it is for lottery picks to be traded for players that are like immediate impact guys. Like think of the landscape of NBA players and think of like, okay, which team that has a really good player that's likely a contender, you know, it can be a number two or a number three guy. But if he's a number two or a three, that means they probably have a really good number one. So if that team's a contender, why would they trade that player to Portland for the number three pick and kind of reset their own timeline? Like that trade is very, very hard to pull off. So I will never believe, and I don't think a lot of people do believe, that they told Dame they would emphatically trade it. Uh, they may have said they'd look into it. And then when they didn't, he felt betrayed. And then it ramped up all the stuff. He starts doing interviews. He was flirting with this stuff for a while, kind of like, hey, I'll always do this for the fans, but whatever. And it was time to move on and all these different things. So then we're left with a situation that we actually are familiar with, but in this case, collectively overreacted to. Okay, it's on. Dame wants out. And we are used to players getting their way. I think the fan base of the NBA that relationship between NBA fan and NBA star is the most challenging of any fan in its league going in sports today. You get dumped on, all right? And if you were a Heat fan, of course, you want a Dame Lillard because it just makes your team better, okay? But if that was your argument, it wasn't really a great argument because I would look at each trade demand individually, and in this case with Lillard, with four years remaining on the deal, two of those being a new extension that he just signed from the only team that he could offer it, and then saying, you know what? I want out, and not only do I want out, I only want to go to one fucking team. That's nasty, man. That's a nasty way of doing business. We should all that care about the NBA all of us should want that to never be the norm, but we're so used to it being the norm that we were like, okay, wait, when's this going to happen? I remember Bill and I talking like very, very early on in July, and he's like, what's your schedule? Where are you going to be? Should we sit around to have a Dame emergency pod? And I'm like, well, I know what's going on as far as like all the stuff we're caught up in, but do I really want to burn an afternoon and wait around for four hours to see if he's traded today? Because then a very common sense thing dawned on me in that moment. Because as all of us is swirling around, we're waiting for the announcement as if it's inevitable. Uh, certain people saying that it was already a done deal. That's early the first week of July, which didn't really make any sense. Woj had made some comments being like, Portland doesn't like the Miami offer. They're going to see what happens. And it's like, hey, you know what's weird about all of us is when we have a major decision to make, we can have a position that we think we're married to. And then time goes by. And in this case, it was a few months. There can be things in your life you are determined to do or not to do. But then when you get to that actual, I have to make the decision date, 
you start to make compromises. And that's what I always thought was important about this timeline. Portland doesn't like the Miami offer. He only wants to play in Miami. Well, it's July. Let's see what happens. And what happened was we almost got to October. Dame clearly changed his mind. Portland got better offers or felt like they were better. And I really don't want to debate like whether or not Hero is better long-term than Aiton and Drew Holiday. As much as I understand the warts on Aiton, let's see what the entire package is. There's also a part of this too where you don't even want to be trading for Miami picks down the road because it's just such a great organization that their bad isn't really as bad as most teams. So I think you factor that in as well. But it almost felt like, like it was a rarity to be going, well, why do they have to do this now? Why do they have to do it now? Hey, I run a basketball team. The best player doesn't want to play here. And he only wants to go to one team, which sort of screws up his entire market. And it sounds like his agents are working against us, scaring other teams off. Well, it is July. So maybe we'll see what happens. And guess what happened? People's mind changed. The thing about the Miami part, and this is where I am happy. It's not about the heat. I know some of you can never remove the fact that I'm from Massachusetts about this and whatever. I mean, honestly, if you want to go Celtics homer angle, this is worse for the Celtics than Dame on the heat, to be honest with you. The the, the best version of this, the best version of Dame and Giannis working together. So if you can allow yourself to believe me on that, the part that I love is that there was this massive tribal disconnect. The people in Miami couldn't understand why people outside of Miami didn't like this. And the reason I didn't like it is everything I just laid out. We should not be cool with a guy with four years left and a new extension saying, hey, I want out and I only want to go to one team. That's a shitty relationship for the fan and an NBA player. It's so bad, if you don't believe me, Adam Silver touched on this topic. But the disconnect was Miami guy going, why doesn't everybody else get it? Those idiots. (laughs) And the idiots on the outside were kind of like, so wait, you're right because it benefits the thing that you like? Think how flawed that logic is. I'm sorry I have to do it because I couldn't believe it when it happened. But Woj came on and said, very simply, Portland doesn't like the offers. They're going to see what happens. Dan Levitard said this about Woj, quote, thank you for bringing up Woj. The Heat know that he's just agenda-based shilling bought and paid for by Portland. It's embarrassing that Woj is telling people it might be weeks or months on Lillard. That was on July 17th. Bought and paid for. I'm like, man, if you're going to pick a fight, pick a fight with somebody who gets shit wrong not Woj. And here we are, weeks, months later, and it wasn't Miami. So what's the lesson in all this? I think the lesson is, even though the standard seems to be NBA player says this, NBA player gets exactly what he wants, specific to when this was all going down and the lack of options, there was nothing wrong with a team waiting, waiting it out. You want to argue the Miami offer would have been better than the three or first round, three or four first round picks. I don't know if it was ever going to get to four and hero. I do always like Jovic a little bit. Um, we'll see what happens with Drew Holiday. You know, trades are weird where the history comes back. You're like Aaron Aflalo ended up being the best piece in that massive deal years removed. But 
I know at least I'll look at it this way. The next time we're faced with something like this where a team just goes, yeah, whatever. We don't like the offer. I'm not going to plan on an emergency podcast the day we hear the request. Start the NFL week off right because right now, all customers get a no-sweat same-game parlay for Thursday night football. Just place a three-leg same-game parlay on this week's game between the Lions and the Packers, and you get bonus bets back if you don't win. Okay, let's take a look at this. Uh, we get Detroit at Green Bay. Detroit's laying one and a half right now, according to FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, I would lean Lions on this. You know, I know it's really early with all this stuff. This is a team that was given up almost 400 yards per game. Now they're at like 290, so they've at least improved that. We can talk schedule the whole deal. And I kind of can't get out of my head that the Packers were pretty much dominated in that game, despite the historic comeback by Jordan Love. So I think there's like real positives for both sides of it, but I can't get Derek Carr being knocked out, kind of changing the tide of that game. So great comeback and everything, but you still were down and getting shut out at home uh, against the Saints defense that I do think is really, really good coming into the year. So, so far that's checked out. So if I were tempted here, I'd go Lions minus one and a half. I think the other thing that I'm looking at here is Sam Laporta is good. If you look at his numbers through the first three weeks, tight end out of Iowa, remember second round pick uh, very early on, he's had 22 targets and that's gone from five, six to 11 targets in their win against Atlanta, total yards 84. So if you want to go anytime touchdown score, he's paying out at plus 250, which might be worth it to have better payout on something else to look at. So Lions and then pay attention to the Laporta numbers there as well. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. Build your own or choose from one of the popular same-game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N, so you don't miss out on your chance to get a no-sweat same-game parlay on America's number one sportsbook, FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max refund, $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Netflix. A gentleman always opens the door for you, but the gentlemen are just as likely to break it down and stash their drugs inside. The Gentleman, based on Guy Ritchie's award-winning film, is a new Netflix series that follows a whole new cast of criminal lords and ladies slumming it in Britain's criminal underworld. Guns out and pinkies up. Don't miss The Gentleman, now playing only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults, with zero to 60 speed that thrills you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Let's talk some football. Jordan Palmer, who, who you know, uh, quarterback guy, and it's beyond that. Whether it's the high school level, I run him with Elite 11 every single year. He's got college clients. He's got pro clients. So we're going to talk a bunch of different stuff. It's good to see you again, man. What's up? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, man, it's just it's a fun part of the year. Um, game, Real games are starting to happen at the college level, you know, meaningful ones. And um, you're starting to kind of see – I, I don't take a ton of credence into who plays well week one, who plays well week two. You kind of got to let these guys settle in. Everybody's got new guys, new staff, everything. So this is the fun part of the year. We start to go, ooh, these guys are for real. Or, I mean, these guys are really going to struggle. And so 
Um, and then the role that I play with the college and pro guys, um, able to make an impact and be helpful at a time when, um, uh, when they need it most. So I'm fired up. I know your podcast, the QB room with Kyle Allen and Jordan Palmer. And, uh, also want to remind everybody he's got a new newsletter coming out, cover three, uh, where he hits three topics each week. And the reason I bring up the pod is you get Kenny Pickett on, we know the preseason, um, you know, I think like a lot of rookie quarterbacks, he looked like a rookie quarterback. You start week one. I kind of feel figured like of all the weeks to start against San Francisco, especially when they're healthy, this is going to look great. But you now got a couple of weeks. The Raiders game was obviously a lot better. The win against Cleveland. What are you seeing? Him? Uh, I'm just seeing steady improvement. And like you said, I mean, playing the Niners week one, that's just a, that's a tough card to draw early on um, or whatever it was. Week one, week two. Um a team that's just hasn't replaced a whole lot of players. You know what I mean? They're just kind of returning everybody and it's, and it's business as usual. Um, but I'm just seeing improvement out of Kenny. Um, it's easy to look at highlights that any of these players are making and then to gauge your personal opinion on what their ceiling or floor is. Uh, I'm looking at it from a different, a little different lens. I think he's getting the ball out of his hands quickly. He's progressing quickly. Um, there were some things last year that uh, you can say he looked like a rookie or whatever, where I just go, it was too slow or, you know, progressing through. It just didn't see like his feet were tied to his eyes as often. And so, you know, the eyes come over, the feet aren't set. All of a sudden you're a tick slow, ball's broken up. Um, That's an area where I've seen improvement. And then when they've had shots, it goes back to like Bob Johnson was my old high school coach and trained my brother and I growing up. And he's a kind of a legend around here. And and he said this when I was in high school and it's rang true to today at every level there's going to be about three to five times a game when you got a chance to make a big play down the field and you got to make more than half of those. Like you got to be able to make those. And, um, and so I think that's the biggest thing is they're dialing some stuff up in Pittsburgh. Kenny's hitting it. He's ripping it. And so we can say from a TV perspective that looked wide open, but those are tough throws. And so I'm seeing Kenny take advantage of the opportunities that are there. Um, He's using his legs. Uh, A lot of times young quarterbacks, if they're mobile, uh, they'll run and make a play, but they'll also run every now and then and run into danger and make a bad play worse. Um, I'm just seeing him every time he runs, it's, it's effective and it's, it's making an impact on the game. And so, uh, I'm seeing him coming along and the more George Pickens comes along, uh, the better that's going to be for Kenny Pickett. And, um, I know there's a lot of stuff going on with Matt Canada and the offensive coordinator and what's happening. And, uh, he talked about it on our show that we recorded yesterday. I said, you know, what's the difference now? Matt Canada is working more more with you, and he's doing more stuff with the quarterbacks. That came out, and he was like, I don't know what that is. The guy's been in my quarterback room every day. He works with us already. I, I don't. Somebody said something, and it got out. Nothing's changed. Um, and uh, and so they're just continuing to build their relationship. When you watch a quarterback, either it's somebody you work with, or you know, you have a lot of knowledge on. Yeah, I always want to understand the lens that you would watch a football game through, but specific to the quarterback, like how quickly can you tell, like, okay, even if the stats aren't very good or they're not converting on third down, they're putting themselves in a really good position with the play calling, with the system, some of the changes they're making. You know, I just I wonder how quickly you notice like a really good situation or bad situation for a quarterback. Well, I think um, the same way I would prepare a quarterback is kind of the same way that if I'm watching, like, and every now and then there's a guy where I go, ooh, I haven't really seen, like I haven't, I always have guys playing at 10 o'clock on the West Coast. And so anybody else who's playing at 10, I'm probably not watching that game. I'm not watching them intently. So like I haven't really seen CJ Stroud this year yet. I haven't really seen Anthony Richardson when he was in there yet. Fired up to get a chance to watch him. I just haven't seen him yet. Um, and so when I do, 
the same thing I would advise a young quarterback to do is there's kind of like this checklist, right? And so the first one is you got to have a plan versus pressure. Whether you're throwing hot or a sight adjust, some offenses have those, some offenses don't. Um, whether you're re-IDing or re-miking or redirecting the point, different terms can mean the same thing. Uh, are you protecting yourself based off of what you're doing from a scheme standpoint or from uh, getting the ball out of your hands? And so um, when I see a quarterback who either has free runners coming at them or they should have thrown hot, you know, you can start to see and you go, well, that, that guy, that's not a good situation right there. And then secondly, like what's causing them to move in the pocket? Is it the guys up front are getting whooped? Is it one dominant player? Um, or is it happy feet moving around like crazy? And then the timing. Um, now there's a lot of different offenses. There's a lot of different routes. Uh, but like a bang eight or a skinny post or a 16 yard dig or a 12 yard curl. There's a, there's a lot of like staple routes. And so you can, as long as I could see what the route was, could kind of tell if that guy was on time or late or early. And so young players, a lot of times, uh, early in college or early in the NFL, you'll kind of, I, all my eye will catch. They don't really have a plan versus pressure or they didn't have a plan versus that pressure. And this guy's moving unnecessarily climbing in the pocket and not able to finish his throwing motion when he didn't need to climb in the pocket. Um, and then that ball was late. You know, he's really, he's a, t- he's, he's double clutching these back shoulder fades and he's given the DB a chance to break it up. So th- those are kind of the three things that I talked through with young guys. Um, and so my eye kind of goes there when I'm evaluating guys, which is why when a young player gets the ball out of his hands quickly, doesn't move into danger, buys himself time and is not have free runners coming at him. It's usually impressive to me because those three boxes are getting checked. I know that there's a lot of concern with Burrow uh, <laughs> first two weeks. It looks like Cleveland's defense is good. The weather wasn't great. There's all sorts of injuries that we, or excuses we can bake in, including the calf injury. But I remember leading up to the, the game against the Rams where I go, well, wait, do we just think Burrow and Chase aren't going to be awesome? Again, like we just like it's not going to happen. And then Chase yeah. lights it up. Um, Burrow looked like he'd figured some stuff out. And I know, you know, you, you've been watching him for a long time. So what did you see there? Well, I thought um, I thought week one, the uh, Cleveland game and how you know bad they were on offense or whatever, unproductive. I, I kind of said at the time, I think that had more to do with Cleveland's defense being really good, their pass rush being really good. And so since in that game, they've got a new left tackle. I think they bumped somebody into right guard. So they got some new pieces. So you got, I think in four to six weeks, we'll be saying this Cleveland pass rush is like one of the best ones we've seen in a long time. And so, uh, you know, figuring out new pieces versus an elite pass rush on the road in terrible weather is just not the time to sort things out and get on the same page. And so kind of just like that one's a wash. Um, It's a bummer and it's a divisional game and it's all those things. But I I don't think it's indicative of any effect on the season. Um, And then, uh, yeah, heading into the Rams game, you know, I work with Joe and, and talk every week. And so it's a little different perspective, but you know, like you don't just lose chemistry. It's not like it's a marriage or like two business partners here. It's like, these guys aren't going to just slow down. You know, um, Joe may have a bad game or a bad quarter and Jamar may ha- drop a couple of, you know, we saw T Higgins who sure handed drop a couple balls. Like, of course that happens every now and then. Um, but it's absolutely a matter of time. I mean, Jamar chase knows how to separate and they know how to get him in space. And this whole idea of him being double covered, he's been double covered since his first game of his rookie year. And so, um, they, they're, I think Cincinnati, I mean, they started 0 two last year, um, and finished, I think 14 and two or whatever they were 12 and four. 
Um, and so I, I don't think it's uh, I, I don't think it's going to have any impact. I, I think there's no worries in Cincinnati. And this calf injury um, is something that could go away with the proper not just care, but you know, utilizing a, uh, not de- uh, developing compensations and not putting too much stress on it. So there's things from a movement perspective that you can do to help that. Then there's obviously treatment and you know the injury itself. Um, and then there's schematics. I I watched that Monday night game. And I thought it was masterful performance, knowing that he didn't practice all week and can't really move for them to throw the ball 49 times in an effective way versus that pass rush. Um, And to be able to how quickly I felt like if it was a four round fight for three rounds, Joe threw like a bunch of jabs. And then when they needed to was able to connect on a couple of, you know, hooks in the fourth quarter to create that lead. And so even the fake toss to the left, roll right, Jamar Chase inside releases high angle corner. That's like, hey, if we're gonna if I'm gonna be on the move, I need to be rolling right. I don't want to be rolling left, planting off that my calf, right? So I need to be rolling right. We've got to get Jamar in space. We've got to create chunk yardage. We can't just throw back shoulder. So I just thought that Monday night game versus a great defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris, with elite players on that defense and Donald and a couple others, oh, that was a masterful masterful performance. Um, to be able to not just, you know, it's not, it's not about like a calf injury. It's not a toughness thing, right? It's not like, Ooh, it hurts really bad, but I'm going to grit this out for you guys. No, it can get worse. You can pop it. You can affect an Achilles. So it's not a, it's not a pain tolerance thing. Uh, it's a, we got to make sure this doesn't get worse thing. And so, uh, for him to get in and out of that game. And uh, I thought it was a masterful performance, especially the way they were able to produce. And the only turnover they had was one of the better interceptions I've seen in a long time. I don't know if you can do this, so I'll just kind of ask it in a very simple way. But, you know, whenever, you know, look, I follow LSU and those guys would start telling me different Burrow stories. And, you know, everybody wants their guy to be the different guy. Be like, no, no, this guy's different. This guy's different. But not only the production. Right. But is there anything you can tell us about conversations with Joe that, that in your world of the quarterback world where you're like, okay, this is a little different without feeling like you're, you're giving us something that, you know, is, is part of your trust in your relationship. Something that yeah, like so the you, audience, yeah. Something the audience would go, Oh, okay. That's, that's, that's different. Yeah. First time I met him. So I was in the green room in Dallas at that draft, Josh and Sam and Baker's year. And I was with Sam and Josh and uh, I ran into coach Orgeron in the bar and I know Coach O. Coach O was the D-line coach at USC when my brother was there. So I was like, had zits and braces in high school running around spring practice. And like, I've known Coach O a long time. And so, and that was like when Waterboy came out too. So he was just straight farmer friend, you know, at the early 2000s. Anyway, so I cross paths with him every now and then. I'm in that the green room bar and he's there with, uh, well, the kind of my joke was like, I think he was there with probably a linebacker or a safety or a corner, you know, in the first round. And I go, Coach O, when are you going to get a quarterback in this room? I see you in here all the time. And he's like, two years. I go, oh, yeah? What do you got? I go, because you're probably never going to win a national championship until you have all these linebackers in this room, you know, until you get a quarterback. He goes, two years. I go, who is it? He goes, it was early, but he's like, I'm flipping a kid. Get a kid come in from Ohio State. I go, send him out. And so I had, uh, I used to have college counselors come to my camps. And at this offseason, so that happened then. The next year, that next offseason, he sent him out. And it was after his junior year. And so I, you know, meet Joe, texting. I think I had talked to his dad, Jimmy, or something like that. And he comes out. But at that time, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and Kyle Allen, who did draft prep together and are still today like best friends, and they all the four of us all live right by each other in Orange County. 
um, they rented this sick beach house in San Clemente for the off season. And it was like five bedroom. It was just on the beach. It was sick. And so I had this camp and I had college counselors there. And I was like, hey, can we do like a beach day Friday and like kick it and drink beers and tell stories at night at the house? They're like, yeah. So I had, I don't remember exactly who the other college guys were, but I had like five or six college guys, three or four NFL guys and, you know, one or two kids. But then I always love when I, when I create those types of settings, like, all right, everyone share their journey. Start wherever you want to start and it ends today. And even quiet guys who like, like Sam Darnold is a perfect example. He's like a more of an introvert. He's has no interest in telling you how awesome he is. He's not cocky. He's none of those things. You can put a guy like that in a position to tell his journey. And even a guy like that'll go for 25 minutes. Right. And so we're going around the circle. You know, Josh tells his journey and Sam tells his journey. And Joe, I don't remember the specifics, but he was basically like, you know, this is where I'm from all this stuff. And he's like, and kind of laid out, like, I think we're going to win the national championship this year. And he just met all these guys. And he starts kind of laying out what was going to happen and how good his team was and how nobody knew this. And his receivers, how elite they are. And keep in mind, his junior year, LSU was like either damn near broke or broke the record for drop passes in college football. The same people that we're talking about, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrence Marshall, they had dropped a million balls his junior year. And he had talked about the offseason, what they've done, the step they were going to make. And he lays this whole thing out. I'll never forget, like we kind of broke up. Remember, me, Sam, and Josh go to the quarter. And and we're all like, I hope that guy can throw it. Because he's talking a big game. And so the next day he goes out and he threw it. And it's not like he was, you know, the craziest thing you've ever seen throwing it. It looked really good. And then getting to know him over the course of the weekend. And I'm like, I was in. I'm like, I'm all in. And I didn't really recruit. At that time, he's supposed to be like a fifth round pick. I didn't really recruit, you know, recruit or talk to Tua or any of the other Herbert, any of these other guys who were supposed to go high. I'm, he had totally like, he wasn't trying to convince me, but I was convinced. I'm like, dude, this is the guy because I've always said confidence and maturity, are the two most important traits in a quarterback, high school, college, or pro. You want to draw a list of busts or guys that made it. There's where I'm drawing that line. It's not height. It's not arm talent. And so I go, well, maturity and this confidence wise. And I had been around, I've been around a lot of guys Deshaun, I've been around some like very, very, you know, supremely confident guys in a, in a healthy way. And I think early on in my relationship with Joe, I was like, he's different. He's totally different. And he's 6'4", 210. You know what I mean? He's like, there's not physically different. He looks like a lot of guys. But his uh, unwavering self-generated confidence and how an unwavering being the key word there um, has played out and proven out to be what makes him different. That was an incredible job. We don't always get that kind of uh, delivery when I ask for a story. That was that was great. Okay, so uh, you mentioned Tua. I loved Tua in college. Of course, I was always going to be worried about the size like everybody else. Um, I'd pretty much written him off the beginning of last year where I go, I just don't know if it's going to happen. And I had no idea that Mike McDaniel had these kind of superpowers. You want to talk about confidence. Now Tua believes in himself and anybody that was around the Dolphins would say, you know, look, even the Dolphins tried to go in another direction when they didn't get Deshaun. So I don't, I don't care what anybody says on that one. Um, but now he's lighting it up. Um, how does this happen? How does this happen with a quarterback? Granted, at least the talent base was there where you're not turning into somebody without talent into this. But uh, this is scary so far a couple of weeks in. Yeah, this is crazy. And uh, I remember, so I had my son turned five this weekend. I got a, uh, in my office, I got like a full swing golf simulator. 
So on the weekends, that's four different games going. I got another one here, another one here. So I got like six games going. So I had my son's birthday party here on Sunday. So I got all these games going and uh, kids are playing outside and all that stuff. And I come inside and I was just like, does that say 70? That doesn't say 70, does it? Like, is that right? Rewind that. I just like the, the amount of times that just never happens in the NFL where you see something you've never seen. Like, seen big, I don't care who you're playing against. Um, what they're doing is bananas and it's sustainable too. That's the, that's the thing. So is, what are they doing? What are they doing that other people haven't figured out? honestly it's something that next week i want to do is actually I, I haven't like sat down and looked at specifically what they're doing but um i i've seen the concepts and all that the way i would summarize it is yes they have really really fast guys right um but they're not the first team to have really fast guys what they're doing is shifts and motions and I, you know they're not the first people to do shifts and motions but you're right doing- because this is this is like the first time i've ever really like looked and tracked at it because i kept watching them where I go, everything is motion and motion at the snap. Like this, is this a lot? And again, I didn't, and then I looked it up, ESPN stats info, the rate that they're sending somebody in motion at the snap is like so far beyond what we've been seeing. So like I'm backing up your point there a little bit, and that's not something I'm always noticing as somebody that didn't play, but go ahead. So the idea of shifts and motions, um, I played for Mark Trestman in Chicago, um, outside of like time permitting there was a shift in a motion every single time like why would we line up that, that was kind of the argument like why would we just line up unless we're, you know we got to get on the ball we got to get a playoff like why would we not shift and then motion and so that was the first time i was like yeah that's a good argument and so you know sam darnold went to san fran this offseason so hoping you know with the playbook and all that stuff and he you know he was like this is the most complicated difficult playbook i've ever learned and it's all because the shifts in motions He's like, there's just so much there. And he picked it up. He did a great job and he owns it, right? Um, Kyle Allen goes to Buffalo this year to back up Josh. Dude, this is the most complicated offense I've ever learned. Well, look at Buffalo. A lot of shifts, a lot of motions. And so that's like, it just adds things to something you already have to process. Now, when you have elite speed and when you have a quarterback that has a great feel for timing, and I don't just mean like get the ball to your hand. I mean like this is complete when his eyes come around and his eyes are coming around. And then when you have elite teaching, and that's the thing is like we just lump coaching together as, you know, for Mike McDaniel or, or Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay or whatever. You, you, you talk about, oh, they're great play callers and they, and they design great plays. Well, hold on. You got to explain to everybody what to do here. So they're also fantastic teachers. Right. And that's the part that I don't think fans don't connect to. We just see the play. You can, we've all had a good teacher that had a big, a big impact on our childhood. And then we've had a bunch of bad teachers. Right. And so I, I, I teach more than I coach and personally. And so I think McDaniels, one of the things that's underrated on him is the way that he teaches and gets everybody to understand these things. Andy reads another one. They do a great job of teaching there. And so you can ask player, if you're going to ask your players to learn a lot, a high volume of offense. Sure, get smart ones. That's better than getting dumb ones. But really, how good are you at teaching this and explaining this and getting people to understand it? And so I just think it's a perfect storm right now. They have the speed. They have these guys that are smart. Even Mozart, like he's from San Fran. Like he's used, he's already learned the system similar to that, right? And so, and and Tyreek, he's from Kansas City. They don't just line up and run four verts. They move people like crazy and ask people to do all sorts of things. And so I think it's a perfect storm of all of those things happening where you have the speed, you have the ingenuity of 
if we put this guy in motion and he hits it at full speed and that defender's shoulders are facing this way, then he's open right now, even if he doesn't look like he's open because he can't turn and cover and get there. So trust me, throw the ball here. Right. And so that level of teaching. And then with Tua, you know, I, I met Tua as a sophomore in high school. Um, he was about the same size. He was like an inch shorter. And he was this new phenom, you know, and no one really was paying attention to that part of the world in football until Marcus Mariota came out. Um, and then Tua was like, ooh, there's another kid from Hawaii who's a baller. And so I met him as a sophomore. And uh, I talk about this in my, in my uh, newsletter this week, um, the first time I met Tua. But, um, but really, it was from day one. And, and like, I think he's been hurt every year that I can remember. I think he was hurt as sophomore in high school. I think he was hurt as junior in high school. And it's not toughness things. I mean, the way you hurt his hip in Bama, there's nothing you can do about that. Concussions last year, last year, whiplash. Dude, that's just a bummer. He got swung down. So I think he's super tough and he's thick and he's strong and he's all these things. I, that's just always been the thing with him. And that's my concern is like, I, I'm having so much fun watching them play right now and the way that they're doing it. I just really hope he stays healthy all the way through the end. Do you think Rodgers could actually come back and play this year? I do because I think he does. That's, I'm not betting it. against him. And one of the I'm things, Rodgers, yeah, I know. But one of the things is, I, I learned this. Um, I've got a, I don't know if, I'll just say I've got a close friend. Um, he deals a lot on the medical side of things at the elite, elite highest levels of sport. And so does a lot with soccer. And there's so many different modalities and things that you can do and machines that are approved in Germany that aren't here. And I'm not talking about drugs. I'm not nothing like I'm talking about machines. I'm talking about modalities and different ways of things. Like we are not like people in European soccer can't believe we do sports medicine this way. And that's been backed up by very smart people who are at the highest levels of this. And if there's one player who's not really concerned, who's not just going to like listen to the trainer, <laughs> you know, what do you <laughs> think here, Ed, right? Like who's going to pave his own way and carve out his own path and do a ton of research on it and figure it out. And then also have the means to just put them on his plane and get them in. My thing is, is like, no, I don't think you can come back, but I'm interested to see if Aaron can. And Cam Akers is a comp. He came back faster than everybody thought to be able to play running back, whatever he's at with his career, but where he was able to play. And so there's been a couple of different case studies. And I think a lot more people go overseas in the off season and do things and healthy things that are soccer players can do than we do here. And, um, and so, yeah, I have no idea what Aaron's doing, but I got a feeling that if it's like kind of possible, they probably can. I had a buddy that, that pitch that was telling me, you know, they've, they've actually changed the way they're doing the Tommy John stuff now. And the turnaround is like the, the stuff that the data they're getting back on these quicker turnarounds with this new procedure is, is way ahead of what we've all been accustomed to. So he was like, don't rule this out. And I just thought like, okay, all right. But I, the Achilles at a certain age just gets a little tricky, but you're right. Like there's plenty about German technology that I don't know when it comes to medicine. So I, I will. Do and I've seen it in all walks of life too, whether it's on the cancer side of things, the athlete side of things. I just, there's a reason that these soccer players play so long and play so many games and there's such little rest time and stuff like that. And there's medicines ahead. And so I'm not, I, again, I'm not, I'm not like breaking news here that I think Aaron, I, I have no idea what he's doing. 
But I know what he's not doing is ice and stem and asking the Jets trainer what he thinks he ought to do. He's created, I'm sure, his own, you know, just full setup of what he uh, has researched. He's a very, very sharp, very cerebral guy. If he believes something, it's because he's put a ton of time uh, and, and effort into it. And he's super smart. Um, and so I am fascinated to see what Aaron does with this because whatever might be possible, it will happen with him. And I think the age is way less relevant when your nutrition and spiritually and emotionally you're in a place that Aaron I think's in, then I think being 39 is way less relevant. Okay. Because I think your body just heals different. And I think that he is just connected to to that. And we can, people can laugh about like the darkness or whatever, ayahuasca. Now I think this guy's in tune. I think he's going to heal at a rate. He's going to put his body in a position to heal at a rate that the typical dude uh, is not going to heal at. And so I, I think the 39-year-old thing is far less relevant because of the way that he takes care of his body than somebody, somebody who's maybe more athletic than him and a little bit younger that doesn't take care of them, by the way. Okay. We'll continue to monitor. Uh, when you watch Zach Wilson struggle, you see a Justin Fields. Do you have moments where you're like, I don't think it'll ever happen for these guys? I hate saying that because I've seen some guys find their way later you know, um, and their best ball is later, you know, uh, I, I remember cause I played for Mark Trestman in Chicago and, and I, I was at, at that point in my career, you know, I, I thought I was, thought I was going to be there for a long time. I thought that was going to work. I thought, you know, I just saw Josh McCown play well and Mark kept telling me, he goes, you know, Rich Gannon was MVP in the league at 31, you know, he didn't start till I think he was 29. And so, like, I, I, there's these, there are these stories, right? They really clicked for them there, right? Um, so then I, I look at it and I go, well, what are the actual issues, right? Maybe they're just like they haven't seen enough ball, or like Trey Lance is a good example because a guy, I'm not. It, let's say Trey Lance were to start this week and play terrible, I wouldn't write him off because he's played such little football. He had like 400 attempts in college, you know, like total. So. Yeah, maybe he needs to play two, three, four years before, you know, I would feel comfortable having an opinion on him. When I look at Justin, I look at Zach, like, you know, Justin played quite a bit of college ball. Zach played quite a bit, too. Uh, They got a handful of starts. When it comes to Zach specifically, um, these lights are as bright as they get. And I've had several buddies or clients go to a place like New York. You know, I grew up with Mark Sanchez and watched him go there as a young you know, not mature at the time when he went there compared to how, you know, how he was later in his career and how he is now as, as an adult, but Sam Darnold, same thing. And so those lights, man, and then what Aaron coming in there and all of it, um, that I, he almost wished that he was able to play and develop and get better in a more obscure environment where the lights aren't so bright, where everything's not magnified. He got called up by Joe Namath this week. It's just these like points of no return that are happening for Zach. Um, and then, as speculation's probably gonna grow, we just talked about it about Aaron potentially coming back. That's just more pressure for Zach to have to win now, right? And so I just I look at when I think about a quarterback's trajectory, are they getting better? Or are they getting worse? You have to factor in the environment. And I think for Zach and what he struggled with, this is a difficult environment for him to change his trajectory because every little thing matters. Heard some stuff where the defense is maybe saying to Sala, we shouldn't, you know, like who knows who's saying what, but it's just those things compound, right? Justin's a little different 
and I, we've all seen the clips on Twitter and he's open and he's open and he's open. I go, if you're having a hard time seeing the field and your default is take off and run, that's a hard one to fix on Sundays. That's an off season thing. So everyone raved about his off season. So if that hasn't gotten better with the off season and all the reps and the new pieces and, you know, multiple years in the system and all that stuff, I am worried about the trajectory because seeing the feel accuracy, I think you can, I know you can improve on accuracy. You can improve on protections and all that. Seeing the field and who's open and who's not is a thing that's hard to work on as a young player with a lot of scrutiny and a lot of pressure. And you're doing it on Sundays against somebody who knows you're having a hard time doing that and has spent all week figuring out how to make it harder. That was good, but probably not inspiring for Bears fans. Uh, well, let's, let's do a little I, college. Oh, go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. Do you have more? No, it's not. And I just, it, I mean, I, I played in Chicago and with Cutler and McCown. McCown had a great year there. I think he threw 26 touchdowns and a pick, you know, when he filled in for, for uh, Jay. And it's just such a bigger deal. Like I, I, I was, a, I was a, uh, a Redskin, a Bengal, and a Jaguar, and then I was a Bear. So coming out of Jacksonville, going to Chicago. I remember telling my brother this because he'd only been in Cincinnati at that point. And I go, dude, you have no idea. There's like other levels here of just how big it is. And at that time, um, Chicago is the biggest media market in football because New York and LA split. They have two teams. Chicago is actually the biggest media market. And so like, you know, I was, I've been Jaguars, you know, and there'd be like the same three guys waiting to interview you. And then all of a sudden you go to Chicago and it's like, there's like standing room only in this room and we're not even good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so I just think that level of scrutiny, how big that is on paper, Justin's built to handle it. He played at Ohio state. He went to Georgia. He was the number one recruit. You know, he's, he totally should be built to handle it again. If the concern, if that's the concern is seeing the field, it's a hard thing to get better at in games under Chicago Bear, that city, that that type of pressure, and so that's my concern. Can he can he play? Of course, yes. But if that's the issue, it's only going to get more confusing. You know, it is like Belichick takes the best player away, right? Well, every defensive coordinator tries to figure out what the quarterback struggles with, and then tries to make that happen more, right? I mean, like that's just, in high school they do that, and so uh, I I just think it's an uphill battle. And then you got to prepare for your opponent all week, but when you play in a big market and everybody's dumping on you the way that they are with Zach and Justin right now, it makes your week harder. It's harder. It's more stuff you got to deal with. Think about that week when he slipped and said the thing about the coach and then they had to have another prep. That's just more work. It's more stuff that you have to do to prepare. You can avoid it or not. Either way, it's created more work and it's made your week of preparation more difficult. And I just think that pressure starts to mount and I think things are going to be ugly there this year in both those cases. Let's do a little college before we uh, say goodbye. What did Oregon, Colorado tell you about USC, Colorado? Um, that it's with with those teams switching over conferences with Dion now at Colorado. I'm convinced he's going to be there for a while. Um, Joel Klatt had a had talked to Colin, and we were on the same day. We were, we were talking to kind of in the green room or whatever there, and. And Joel had made the comment that he, Dion told him to his face, I'm not going to the NFL. This is my ministry. I love pouring into these young men. This is my, this is my mentorship. So like I, when I hear that, I go, that makes sense to me. I've had been around multiple people that have a specific job and that, that's how they, how they view it. So I, I think he's going to be there for a while. 
especially because I think Colorado could lose a lot of games this year. I think they could. I'm, I'm on the hype train. I love it. It's just awesome. It's exciting. But when you look at their schedule, they, I think they're going to not be the better team in several games this year. And so, but Dion has the ability, that portal, there's going to be some guys that potentially choose Colorado over SC or over Oregon or the top high school kids. They're going to choose Colorado over it because that's a threat now from recruiting and from a portal standpoint. Then if you can hang 60 on them, you better. That's what, what Oregon did was go, no, this is awesome. But there's a level between us. And if we would have changed around three or four plays in this game and they wouldn't have gone our way and got yours, we still would have hunt. We would have beat you by 30 instead of 40. And so I think SC's got an opportunity to go in there and go, chill out. Everybody chill out. SC's still where you want to go. Come with us. And so I, I just think it's an opportunity, let alone Caleb. Caleb plays against so many inferior opponents. I feel like he's one of the better NFL quarterbacks today who gets to play against college kids for one other year. And so, so wait, many wait, times real quick, real quick. Where would you put Caleb as an NFL quarterback tomorrow if you were ranking one through like 32? ranking them? Yeah. But what, like, I don't, I'm not asking for names. Give me a number on where you think Caleb Williams is top tomorrow. 10. To visit from a physical skill set, confidence level, seeing the field, cerebral, all that top, I don't know, 14, top 13. I think he's totally different than everybody else. Uh, we're in agreement, by the way. I, I just want yeah. to hear it from you. Uh, I, well, every night, every says, night, like, oh, look. Mahomes. And it's like, no, no, he has a whole thing Mahomes doesn't have. Mahomes okay. is a replacement Wait. runner. Okay, Mahomes is a replacement runner. Joe Burrow is a replacement runner. Here's what I mean by replacement. Aaron Rodgers is a replacement runner. Meaning, if the defense creates a void, they'll replace it. They're going to run, and they're going to replace it. And so, we're going to get 15 yards on third and six. They're going to make plays with their legs, but they are replacing defenders. Josh Allen, Lamar. Um, I think Jalen Hurts is a replacement runner. I, but you talk about Josh Allen, you talk about Lamar, a couple other guys who, no, they're going to cut back, stop, start, ju- they're going to attack. So you're either a replacement runner or attacking runner. And Mahomes is on the verge of being the greatest player that ever lived. So I'm not saying replacement runner is a bad thing, right? But they're going to, they see the field so well that if you get out of position, they're athletic enough, they're going to replace. Right, they're going to scramble for that that big play. Caleb's an attacking runner, so he has a thing. That he's a, it's, a, it's he's a different run threat than Patrick, um, and so you know I, I don't I'm like hyping Caleb that much because he's just like the most hyped player in the world right now. But yeah, I think he'd be one of the better guys in the league, and so he gets to play going back to Colorado. He gets to play against college kids. It's kind of how I look at it, and so most of those opponents, you know, he's got Stanford and he's got whatever. So this is one of the rare times he's like. The quarterback on the other side has as much or more hype than I do. He, I think he's gonna that's gonna fire him up, and we're gonna see the best version of Caleb on Saturday. Um, because it's rare that he gets to have a formidable opponent in the hype world, social media, and media world, which Caleb firmly lives in, and Shadur firmly lives in. And so, I think he's gonna think this is fire fire him up. Okay, last thing here. McShane and I went through, you know, it got to like top six where I'm like, is there a tier at six? And then is it actually to 12? And we just have a lot of good teams which feels flatter at the top now this year than years prior because we get a little too cyclical with the same handful of teams. Do you see a team that you think we're sleeping on? Do you see a team that we think is overrated? Like, give me a team as the landscape of the top of college football just four weeks into this. Um, I am very, very interested to see what Utah is when they get their quarterback back. Um, 
I mean, really, the guy they've been playing with, Nate Johnson, was really third or maybe fourth because they lost their second string guy to an injury in a scrimmage. And then this guy, Bryson Barnes, started versus Florida. And then Nate Johnson came in. So masterful job by that coaching staff to be able to piece these wins together and be undefeated going into Oregon State this weekend. Um, but if and when Cam Rising comes back, that's a team that all of a sudden, you know, everyone has them in their top 10. They're not even playing with their starting quarterback. Name another team in the top 25 who's not playing with their starting quarterback and who's undefeated, right? So I'm very interested to see what Utah can be. Um, I'm, I'm very interested to continue to learn about Texas. Um, I don't know a bunch about it, but it seems like Quinn Ewers had a heck of an offseason. He looks in great shape, got rid of a mullet. He's playing great ball, um, goes, gets the big win at Bama. And, and if Quinn ends up reaching that potential with that staff around them with Steve Sarkeesian, and there's a guy, Jeff Banks, who's been around, like there's just a, a really good staff. They got playmakers. They're in the big 12. So I, Texas is a team where I go like, look at that. Who do they lose to? Normally they lose to Oklahoma. Can you give me a little on yours? Because it felt like, okay, wait, if he's the highest graded high school recruit ever, and there's a debate on that, which I don't feel like getting into, because if he's not one, then fine, he's two. But then I remember like going to watch him throw it at the Elite 11, and you guys were there. And I remember talking to a different coach being like, wow, I, this guy's really, really impressive. I was impressed in with his laziness and how good he made it look. And it was funny because the coach immediately was like, actually, what you think is impressive is annoying the shit out of me. <laughs> Yes. I went like, whoa. And as you can tell, like when the moment's big, it seems like he is that guy. I think what he did against Bam on a Saturday night at Tuscaloosa, like I think that is very short list of guys that would play as well as he played. Um, and on top of it was a collective. The O-line was really good, too, against a front that wasn't really happening. But the Ewers thing has always been a little interesting because he's supposed to be this guy, yet it seems to be surrounded with doubt. And maybe it's all gone now. Yeah. Well, I, I really only been around him a little bit, but in – uh in high school, um, so him and Cade Klubnik were the top recruits coming out of Texas, and they had played each other in back-to-back -back state championships, and, and Cade won both of them. So then it comes around to the senior year in high school, that Elite 11s when, when you were talking about, and Cade won that, was the MVP. But it just kind of felt like Quinn was like fine with that, you know? And so there, there's stuff that you want to get good at at quarterback, right? I want to throw it great. I want to move great. I want to learn a lot. Right. But then there's some like, do not pass, go, do not collect $200. Like, stop. Like, if you are soft, right, there's different ways to say that, right? There's nothing I can do for you. Right. And if you like really don't want to work hard, you better be off the scales in these other categories to offset your lack of work ethic. And if you're not competitive and if you don't really want to kick this guy's ass and really win, this is going to be hard. It's going to be hard to find success in this. And so I just questioned his competitiveness. And then after that, he skips his senior year in high school to go to Ohio State, which never felt like a fit. Country dude with a mullet from Texas going to Ohio. Like, that didn't make it. That, but he was like, and it was the first NIL thing. That was like really the first NIL thing. And so he goes there and he, and he makes money. And it's like, if you think you're going to be really good, if, you, if you're the number one recruit in the country and you think you're going to be really good at this, you do not need to go chase a couple hundred grand right now. Trust me. There's plenty in the future if you play your cards right, if you just get awesome at this. And so that happened, and I'm like, Ugh. and then, you know, then he transfers, and he goes to Texas, and he doesn't want whatever, and he just kind of like the mullet, and he just was, looked like he wouldn't take care of himself and all that. And so, I, you know, I, I don't I didn't cross paths him a ton, but I was like, man, I hope that guy figures it out, whatever. And then this last offseason, I just started hearing things, you know, and all of a sudden you look at him, you know, 
clean shaved, got a haircut. Not that there's anything wrong with a mullet, but it's like almost you're, like a Morgan. You're making Wallen an thing. argument against mullets pretty strongly right now. I know, but like right. Morgan Wallen, right? He's got all these issues, all that stuff. And then he gets sober, and now he's got a haircut. And now he's like the number one artist, right? But I just think, um, like, I, I think what happened is whoever's been around him and pouring into him has done a fantastic job and has gotten through to him because Quinn this last year has clearly turned a corner. He looks great. He's playing competitive ball. You don't just like throw deep balls and beat Bama. No, you outcompete them. And so I'm kind of now back on this. And this is one of the unique few ones where it's like, I don't know the kid very well. I, I, I'm actually outside looking in on this one. And I go, all right, well, if this dude, I know his talent and I know what Sark, Sark was my brother's quarterback coach at SC. I've known Sark since I was just like Coach O. Like, if that's the case, then I'm very interested to see if and who can actually beat Texas if all of that stuff continues to align each week. And Quinn is the guy that I kind of have circled where I am just fascinated. I don't train him and I'm watching him every single week because I'm fascinated to watch this. Because for me, you, I mean, you know me well enough to know that like I might not like that kid's game in high school or question him, but I still love him and I want him to, I want all these guys to succeed. I want him to chase it and make it. And so I'm pulling for Quinn, you know? Um, but so far what I've seen is like whatever happened in the last 12 months has been a very good thing and is going to make a big impact on college football this year and his trajectory moving forward. So Texas is that other team where I go. This is interesting. But if when you look at the top 10 or 12 teams for everybody, it's pretty awesome. There's names that are never up there. Florida State's never up there. Alabama's never not up there. Ohio State's never not up. There. And so it, Notre Dame's up there. Uh, SC's up there. So it's just, I just think it's such a cool state of college football right now where it's not the same two or three teams and we'll see who the fourth team is. I mean, I, I think there's eight teams that can make the playoff. Those four spots, you can make an argument for eight of them. Yeah, I, I think eight's, eight's a really good number. It might even be too low as of right now. Uh, Jordan Palmer, awesome, man. That was fun. Uh, the Burrow story alone was worth it. Uh, you can check him out again. The QB room with Kyle Allen to get a Kenny Pickett episode that is dropping today. Uh, thanks, man. Let's catch up again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by Royal Caribbean. What are you going to do for your next vacation? Beach, island hopping, hiking, a little culture? Choose Royal Caribbean and you can go on all the vacations at once. That's the point. You want to go to Greece? How about they get you there? Everywhere else. I've looked at the Alaska packages. Alaska Inside Package, Alaska Experience Cruise, Vancouver Round Trip, One Way Out of Seattle. They have it all. They make it easier for you with adventure at every stop. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Visit royalcaribbean.com to learn more. Before we get to life advice, it is time for the Alliance to join up once again uh, just to share some behind the scenes. <laughs> So Rudy is, it's not the record, it's its your feelings that seem uh, to be doing worse. Are you okay? No, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, I'm mad at myself, you know, I want to, this is becoming a big, are you okay podcast last couple of weeks? <laughs> <laughs> Just checking in on dudes, you know, what's going on? Hey, uh, dudes need to talk to dudes. Yeah. You know, um, it's not been great. I hit my first week and I've lost four straight, uh, last, here's the thing. Last week, I was my bet was I had the over in the Penn State Iowa game. I said I was like, listen, you know, Penn State's going to score thirty points in their sleep. They did. I wasn't wrong about that. Iowa just got shut out. So there you go. We didn't hit the over. We're one and four. 
Um, I'm kind of like Sam Darnold. Was it Sam Darnold seeing ghosts? Like I don't. I I've got like four bets written down. I'm I'm so in my head right now that I I don't even know what to think. So I might just run a couple by you and just we'll we'll, we'll pick one as a collective. Uh, okay, that's not always. I mean, there's nothing worse than the guy at the diner who's looking at the newspaper, just turning into a waitress, being like, "Hey, do you like Penn State minus the 27 and a half?" <laughs> um, which is what when it's really going bad. That's what you start doing. My father's always been pretty good at this. And I have a couple of degenerate friends. And my father came over one day. We were watching college ball. He hadn't watched like a snap all season. And he just goes like, oh, why would you like you got to play Texas? You know, it was the biggest square play ever. He got it right. And then the degenerate was like, hey, ask your dad who he likes this week. I'm like, he doesn't watch this. <laughs> he doesn't watch it. And he's like, I need a winner. I need like ask him. Just ask him who he likes. And then I was like, the thing that's going to suck is if he's right then this is going to be even worse. I think he ended up being right like the first time and that yeah. he was annoying me and then I was losing. Um, so you're seeing ghosts. That's not great. I, I felt, I really felt for you because we give this pick out and then Iowa, when they they talked about their inactives, it was both running backs and the tight end. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is It was a Zach a- pick. It was a Zach pick because everybody I think was on. I kind of liked there. it though. I got to be honest with you. I kind of liked it. And <laughs> yeah. it moved, it moved away. It was like 39 and a half, 40. Yeah. And then I think at kickoff, it was 37 and a half. And look, they just can't do anything. I'm not going to do the nepotism rant, but, you know, that that offense is I feel I feel bad. I don't make fun of Iowa. I feel bad for them because they've had these awesome defenses. And if they just had average, average quarterback play, average offense, they'd be a tough out because of that defense. So um, do you want to go first then or no? Uh <sighs> Sure. Doesn't sound sure. like for the it. guy right, who saw gambling last year. That is. It's a I wrote tough down. Beat. I wrote down four things. Uh, I wrote down. Four? I like. Yeah, yeah. I got four. <laughs> I wrote down Kentucky uh, minus one and a half against Florida at home. Kentucky's won two straight against Florida. I don't know if Florida's even that great. They'll probably blow them out here. So just because I'm picking them, but that's one I wrote down. Uh, this one I'm not going to pick. The, I wrote this down, but I don't really like it now that I'm thinking about it. The, the, the Kansas-Texas over 63 and a half. I don't really know. This is the week before the Oklahoma game. I don't even know. If, that's probably a stay away from me. I do kind of like this one, but it's trending in a weird direction. Um, I like the under in Utah-Oregon State. It's 45 and a half, I think. It, it was 47, so it's kind of going down. I don't know if I'm getting the best number. And then I'm kind of debating, do I just go? My first week, I bet USC. I bet the USC-San Jose State over, and I hit. Do I just go back to the well with USC? I kind of like their team total over a 48 and a half against Colorado. I think that actually could be a closer game and they're going to need to score. So I could see them dropping 50. But so that's what I wrote down. I think I need to go back to the well and just take USC. A Kentucky, Florida, I have no read on. The Kansas, Texas game, I could see getting loose. Uh, I like your USC team total 48 and a half. I do. I mean, Oregon scored their 42nd point five minutes in, and then they went for it on fourth and five again in the red zone, didn't get it, and then just didn't score the rest of the game. So it was 35 nothing. If SC has to, because of their defense, isn't nearly as good as Oregon's, I think that's the one. Now, I am not. I don't want to advise you, and there will be nothing worse than you getting this one wrong and the other three are right. Blame like still that's, up. That's starting to wear your, that, like, in your head, and then if I get mine right, but I, I tell yeah. you to do this one. Yeah. Kyle, any read? What, what, are, you, what are you hearing in the streets? Um, I've only paid attention to one game for this week, so I'll just wait for that, and I don't want to have any any blood on my hands for this. <laughs> That's fair. For this absolute massacre right. of a record. Let's lock you don't want nothing to do with it. Okay. <laughs> I get right, it. Fair. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's a sinking ship. Uh, let's do it. Let's lock it in. USC team total over 40 and a half. The only thing I'm concerned about is it's a 9 a.m. kickoff time for on the West Coast for those guys, but 
maybe that'll like you know they'll I think they'll need to score like I just think it'll be closer than people think so uh, don't be scared off with the early start and the slow start you know pick six they're mountain there, time right there it's not that bad. right back into it one of the only totals I've lost this year Minnesota I loved it I loved it uh and then all of a sudden it was 21 points four minutes into the second half and I was like okay didn't happen all right what do you got Kyle all right, so it, it kind of registered last week that we want all these to hit. It's not about, oh, that's a cool bet if it works out. It's like, this is a parlay, which means you kind of want all the legs yeah, to hit. So last week when you guys kind of broke down, week five was shaming week me. Five. <laughs> no, it's we, like, you know, we, I, we knew, it I know what a parlay is, but it just sort of washed over me last week where I was like, all right, let's try to let's try to not when get When I so. wasn't into your old Miss Moneyline pick for the parlay <laughs> when you could have just taken the points. Yeah, that was when it... My face <laughs> yeah. may have been the beginning of like, I guess we're all supposed to find three bets that work for the audience. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I'd like to, I'd like to stick with Ole Miss, but not necessarily in the way that I have. I mean, I'm really excited. Everyone should buy tickets for the show and I don't really want to alienate either side because I feel like there's going to be both people, the good Smart. people of Oxford, Mississippi, and maybe one day I could be friends with Ryan. So I don't want to really pick against LSU. But what I really am struggling with is this, the the line is 67 and a half. And I really don't know which way I want to go under, which is less fun of a bet inherently, but 67 and a half, that's a lot of points, right? I should probably take the under here. It's on the larger scale uh, of things, but you know, there's some questions about LSU secondary. Um, Ole Miss didn't look so great in the scoring uh, department last week. I know what you're saying. You're thinking, hey, this feels like a 60, 62 point game, right? That's kind of what right. your head's at right now, right? Uh, I'm look. This is not the advisory board. You, if you like yeah. it, you like it. Get it in. All right, we're taking the like under. It. Sorry, we're taking the under sixty-seven and a half. That's Don't apologize. Give you minus one ten. Don't apologize for having passion. Well, you root for points, right? I mean. Passing league. Okay. Uh, no, look, unders do suck to root for. It's brutal because you're kind of like, ooh, that was a good punt, but like, are they too deep? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, let's get a couple first downs. You're like, all right, third and eight. Incomplete. Awesome. I mean, it's, it's brutal. I gave out the Cincinnati Rams under, and I'm still like looking at it going, oh, wait, where's that punt going? Oh, is that pick going to be bad? All right. Uh, I am really tempted to lay the points again with USC against Colorado. I think Colorado's defense sucks. Uh, and, man, some of the videos that have come out since Eugene about those guys talking shit. Now, granted, that is not the first college team to walk around on the field in pregame and talk shit about the opponent. It is not. But seeing it after they got destroyed, talking about how, like, nobody in Oregon was big. It was like, oh, we're going to fuck these guys up. And this ain't nothing. We're going to kill ducks. It's like, dude. You guys are going to get house today. Uh, I kind of want to do that again. And also, if you think of Oregon at home, 21 and a half point favorites, they have SC on the road. So I don't think that's like, hey, they think Vegas thinks SC is better than Oregon. I think it's kind of the wake up call of like how big of a number you need to put on this this game with Colorado's defense. But I'm going to stay away from it. Uh, I'm going to go. Yeah. (laughs) No, because I've thought about different things. But like, hey, here's what smart money is doing. Here's a trend, and then here's what my eyes are telling me. And you, you like, I, I want to do a better job with this. And I, so far this season, I feel better yeah. about you know the, the time we're putting into it. But the stuff Dion said about Cormani, by the way, was whoa. I thought oh, was about cool. his recruit, about not being ready. I loved it. I loved I, it. Look, I, I, there's I did, Dion too. quotes. There's Dion quotes every week where I'm like, I wish more people did business this way. Yeah. So, um, great. I'm glad you brought that up because I love that video. I approved of, uh, but it's just look, nobody's ever going to watch a video of a team talk shit about their opponent and get destroyed and be like, I really like their spirit. So, um, I think Auburn is terrible. 
Auburn is so bad on offense right now, okay? They're they're brutal. They can't figure it out. I think they played three guys in the AM game. And they're they're plus 14 and a half at home against Georgia. And we know that Georgia tends to kind of take its time until it doesn't need to. And Auburn has a classic history of every time you think they're terrible, then they'll like, you know, hang with somebody. But the years they're beating Bama, they were still like good. I mean, hell, they played the national championship at Los Florida State on the pick six game. So, or the kick six is what I should say. I'm just going, this is a watching games four weeks in going, you know, all I really need is them to separate by two scores in this one. And I, I just think Auburn has real problems that I don't know if they're going to be solved with that roster. I usually give Hugh Freeze the benefit of the doubt of figuring something out to get to 20 to 28 points. But I, I'm telling you, I, I really didn't like it, even though Mississippi State is a similar example, and yet they scored points last week. So I was thinking about Mississippi State there a little bit with Bama, but I'm just going to go Georgia minus 14 and a half. So there's the pick. That is the alliance. Join us. You want details? Fine. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice. The email is lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. What's good, Saruti? Kyle, I'll tell you what's not good is my sleeping patterns right now. I was in a pretty good rhythm. Don't know if it was uh, whatever it was in Spain ever since I've been back. So I did, uh, it was time to do a mattress upgrade. And I, when I tell some of these stories though, and then people will be like, hey, are you okay? Like it's kind of a joke, but not a joke. I don't, I don't really know what to do. So I went in knowing I had a plan because I'd had, I don't know if I want to name the mattress company because they're great, but we know that we also have other mattress sponsors over the time. Mm. So we'll just, so this is all positive. Keep it all straight. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. It's just all positive. Like who was it who destroyed, was it Canel? We just talked about that recently. He was just destroying Wendy's or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he said they're trash fries. I don't even think their fries were that bad, but yeah, not great. I think they're good. I think they're salted well, actually. I love Wendy's, so, you know, yeah, your sponsor. Pro Wendy's podcast. Uh, but yeah, that's that was always one of the things was with some of the guys every now and then. He'd be like, let's be a little delicate. Even if they're not a sponsor, you know, they could be a potential sponsor down the road. I think Van Pelt got in trouble with Subway once because he said on the air, he's like, they cut their cheese in half. So it's really half the amount of cheese. Bullshit. <laughs> and then he had to actually like straight issue up. Issue a statement? <laughs> no, not even issue a statement. He had to like talk to a guy at Subway who was <laughs> Here's the thing though. He's right. They do do that. So, you know. Yeah, but if you were in sales, if you were in sales and you're trying to sell the Subway Fresh Take hotline and you're trying to renew that and some swigging dick down in Fort Worth is like, I don't want to do it because that tall guy, you know, (laughs) started knocking our cheese dispersal. So it's something to always think about. Anyway, so I go, because uh, I knew I was going to be moving some stuff around furniture-wise, and I go in, and the the story hit, well, I'll just say it's tempur because it's a win. It's a win across the board. 
So years and years ago when I was still in Connecticut, I'd had started to have this like back soreness that was just different from anything else I'd experienced, you know, not just a normal back pain of, of whatever. And so I was like, what the fuck? And so I researched the mattress part of it. I called Tempur-Pedic and to their credit, they were incredible. They were like, well, what do you have? I was like, I have this, like maybe you should try something firmer. I was like, okay, let's try it. I was like, I don't know that I'm a firm mattress guy. I just don't think I am. He's like, well, don't worry about it. I was like, so what's, well, how does this work? And they're like, we're just going to replace it. They replaced it like years after I had already had the other one in there. It was incredible, right? And it wasn't any like, hey, I'm doing reads for you type of deal. So they switched it out and it was, it's consistently been the best mattress I've ever had. It's firm, but it's kind of not, it's not something I ever thought it would have. Back improved, incredible, right? So it'd been a bunch of years. I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and, um, upgrade this one and then switch this one somewhere else. So I walk in and the guy's like, all right, what's your deal? What are you looking for? I go, I want firm. I want a firm King, maybe the cool one. I don't know though. You know, you know, we'll see. And the guy was like, well, the, the, the cooling ones aren't as firm as our firmest firm. And I was like, I'm, I'm your guy. I want firm. And so I test it out and they put a little, little thing down and the guy's like, what does your wife think? Like, do you want to wait until your wife gets here? And I was like, you know what I, you know what partner? I was like, she just trusts me. That's why, that's why it's worked (laughs) out. (laughs) Like I just lied and didn't feel like, well, uh, you know, because I don't give a fuck, but then sometimes it just leads to. Yeah. You don't have the conversation. conversation. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, you know, oh, we should introduce you to Sarah who works. Plenty of fish. Right. Right. This guy's got more disposable income. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get him the double up. (laughs) Right. Right. So he, you know, cause he couldn't believe it. He's like, you're just going to go ahead. holders. He's like, you sure you don't want her? I was like, you know, the thing, my rule is, you know, like that David Spade bit <laughs> when he tells that story. He's like, I they, I don't eat them and they don't eat me. Like whenever Spade tells that story from bussing tables when he's in Arizona and he started like just doing his fucking routine with customers and the manager's like, what are you doing? Stop talking to the tables. And Spade tells the story. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm killing right now. Anyway, so <laughs> I, I'm playing it all off. I'm like, don't worry, don't, don't worry, don't worry. Thing shows up. It's the firmest thing of all time. It's so firm. It's incredibly firm. So I gotta, I gotta go check out today and be like, are these supposed to break in a little bit here? Because whatever I had before, this is, this is another level up. So not a, not a critique. I just may have gone a little too hard in the paint on the firm layout. I feel like, because uh, I'm with you. I typically like a firm mattress, but I do feel like mattresses are like hot wings like you don't get the hottest one you know you get like the second or you, like That's you don't great, get dude. you don't get the wow. most firm mattress okay you get like you know you get the set because the firm one's probably gonna be like a cardboard or not even cardboard like what, what a problem, slab. You know, yeah something <laughs> like that and like some people love that like i know i have family members that like would sleep on you know plywood but you can't just you can't go with the top 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 firm one because you know could, could you jump on it does that help did you try doing that I'll admit, well, the first time I like popped onto it right out of the box, because the guy was like, you know, when you get it, it's going to be firmer than this one's in the store. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> is it one no, of those I ones that rolls and then it like kind of gets air no. or is it fully? It's fully. OK, no, it's 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 ready it's to go full. out the box. And my guys, uh, my guys are fast. Those guys are the fastest guys I've ever seen in my life. You should have seen these dudes like they were going. They're not getting paid by the hour. They're getting paid by the right. truck. And they're like, mm. let's get out of here. Like we're not fucking around. I loved it. It was great. But yeah, as soon as I jumped on it, it may even hurt. Like I was like, oh, <laughs> Jesus. So um, we're going to have to do a little more research on it. I'm not worried. There's a warranty. Their customer service has been incredible. 
but I, uh, I'm not used to it is what I should say right now. But this was happening post-Spain. I don't know what it is about the European era, man. This was falling asleep easier. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Mm. Reminds me of a time in northern Mallorca. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. I just want a little do, do a little update on that because I, I just knew I was going to tell Saruti anyway. But the guy just could not believe I wasn't going to have my wife. And Because once I lied about having a wife, then he just kept being like, are you sure? Are you sure your wife is going to want something this firm? And I was like, she'll love it. Like, get me the fuck out of here. Get me out of the store. Have you guys we, ever taken a spin in a sleep number bed or no? I have not. Uh, I did. See, I think I saw an ad, though, recently that was like 80% of NFL players sleep in sleep number beds. I'm like, that can't be true. There's no even way if it's true. Even if it's not true, I think uh, I think it's my next benchmark of happiness. Like, it used to be, oh, I'll make this much money. I'll make that much money. Oh, I'll mm-hmm. stop taking the bus. And now I think my next benchmark is going to be sleep number. When did the stop taking the bus one? When, when did you clear that one? I think one? that was 2019. That was great. Nice. That was great. Oh, 2019. I was like How long three hard the bus years. I mean, since like three? 2016 to 2019. Yeah. You were LA bus guy for three And I mixed years. in the scooters every once in a while, but I t- had a really nasty crash on the way to work one day. And I was like, we should need to really zoom out and just be like, how, how serious do you want to be about the scooter thing? And now that I drive a car, I'm like, ah, get these guys all and throw them all into the jail. They, they don't belong in the lane with me. So uh, I've done a lot of growing up. I love when everybody thinks that Kyle had it like easy. The guy rode a bus in L.A. for three years. I didn't even know that. No wonder you're no wonder you're such a good dude. <laughs> you did get a car, though, right? Didn't you get a car? You got hooked yeah, up or something? 2019. Right? Yeah. Nice. Shouts out to whoever that is. Yeah, shout out to that. Okay. Uh, anything else? No follow-ups, I assume. I no. covered it. All right. No. So uh, let's start with the life advice. Out of my league, girlfriend asks what I like about her 20 times a day. That's a lot. It's not going to change either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's try to put a stop to it. See if we can't collectively come up with something. 28 years old, 5'11", 165, 205 bench, 315 squat. 45-pound dumbbells, curls. That's that's heavy. Uh, player comp is Patty Mills with, with the handle of Jalen Brown. See? There we go. Just as we said in the one. open. Used to play club lacrosse and intramural basketball. Now play tennis, golf. Okay. I think right after the Jalen Brown thing, if you're listening and thinking of writing anyone in, that's kind of where the cutoff is. Like, we got it. The only thing I I'd be interested lar- is regions, I think. Like, just like broad, like south. There's many times I'd be like, is this guy from... From the East Coast, or is he from? Is this guy from the you know the Southwest? I think that would matter more than the fifth stat thing. But just wanted to throw that out there. I support that. Yeah, we had somebody ask if we could have people do like cold tub updates, and I was like, "What?" Because I had said, "Hey, I was in the cold tub," <laughs> and then people were like, "What temperature? How long? What's the setup?" And then it was like, "What might be interesting is having people that use cold tubs." And I was like, "No, they're already too long." <laughs> As it is in the second paragraph, Kyle, it starts with this little tidbit, uh, tidbit. I live in a city, a large city in the East coast and have a boring, but highly paid job in finance. I started listening to bill 10 years ago, Ryan, five years ago, was in a relationship with a girl I met in college for six years, broke up last year. I was single in the dating scene for the past year with a lot of first dates, but only a few relationships. I've been dating a girl who I feel like is out of my league for the past three months, picks included. She is very cute athlete. You can tell. Uh, I think I'm a pretty average looking guy and she's a hot 5'10 former D1 basketball player. Whoa. Okay. Nice. 
I get that there's more than just looks when it comes to these things, but even though I have a great job, solid group of friends, low tier open mic sense of humor, very good line. I feel like I'm punching above my weight class. She's giving me hints that she wants a husband before she's 30. We're both uh, almost there and planning vacations with each other's families for next summer. So I feel like there's long-term potential here. The problem is she asked me if I like, if I like her about 20 times a day. We'll be watching football all day together, and she would ask me at least once every hour. That's wow. a lot. That's fucking awful. She's not content with just a yes. I have to go into detail about what I like about her. Whenever we're together, she's constantly asking me, and when we're apart, I have to text her what I like about her. She always <laughs> wants me to tell her something new, and I've just been regurgitating the same things for the past few weeks. I'm all out of new content. Every time she asks me, I can't help but think of Charles Barkley saying, she's the pretty girl that you got to tell her she's pretty and coming up with excuses for why I'm laughing when I'm really thinking about Charles Barkley. I've tried to play it <laughs> off like she'll ask me before I get in the shower. Then after I'm done showering, she'll ask me and I'll be like, the shower didn't change how I feel about you. But it's not enough. She still needs me to go into detail about why I like her and always want to hear something new that I've never told her before. What do I do? How do I get her to stop asking me if I like her without coming off like I don't like her? She's clearly a girl I see a future with, but I feel like this has been crazy. Uh, is this just the penance I have to endure for dating a girl out of my league? I haven't cracked yet, but how do I change the subject and not tell her I'm thinking about Charles Barkley every time she asks how I feel about a relationship? That's a lot, man. That's a lot. I, I think the one thing that I feel really good about with the email is that you've admitted Basically, you see a future with this person that all the other stuff is good enough for you to be like, hey, this could be somebody I'm going to you know, plan on spending the rest of my life with. So the fact that this is the only thing, like I always think that's really important wherever we're talking about some of this relationship stuff. It's like, man, you can, you can find something that you don't like about everyone, okay? No one has the, the 100% approval rating. But this, is, this isn't a flaw as much as it's, well, I guess you could say it is. It's just... That's a volume. This is Eddie House of like asking questions. You were fucking like that's that would I'm I'm afraid you're gonna break. Like everything else can be really, really good, but you're gonna break over something silly that actually could be avoided if she could just tone it down a little bit. Kyle? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a couple things here. I would say, hey, what could be kind of funny is you could like if you guys both have iPhones, just start a shared notes. And every time she asks you, be like, see the notes. I updated it yesterday. And then you just have you just have like this list of things. And then it's like if you if you ever need to, it's like funny. It's a little cheeky. She might not like it, but you could just be like, uh, you know, you could even date him. Be kind of funny. Like August 12th, noon, <laughs> cute sneeze. <laughs> like, <laughs> you could do you could just do that. And then every time you're like, well, I updated the. Have you been, have you been keeping up with the notes? I updated it like two days ago when you uh, fucking made that great pasta or something uh and then the other thing i would say is if you're thinking about addressing this some people just have a real issue with how it comes out like we were watching i'm um, watching prison break uh with uh with my wife now i never, I never made it huh? through yeah rewatch never made it through because they couldn't uh, just some great it characters. weird for them to keep breaking out of stuff over and over and over again now they're breaking into stuff now season four but um, <laughs> I didn't make I think, it that uh, far. I, I really <laughs> yeah. liked it in the beginning. And then there was just there was eventually a tap. I think Panama. Well. I was like, wait a yeah. second. Are we just traveling? I think Panama's when I tapped out, too. <laughs> yes. yeah. Guys yeah. in college were so into that show. I remember like, yeah. like it was good. Watch party. So, yeah. Incredible tattoo storyline. What a great development. Oh, God. Thing. And then they just, oh, and then he just takes up. it off. <laughs> yeah. No, I look great. Great. Uh, I don't know. If it was the first two seasons or whatever. I was I was super into it as well. Anyway, I think I may have tapped out when they were working outside. But go ahead. <laughs> well, 
she, anyway, she's like telling me her thoughts on the show, and we're like, I'm trying to think. Like it's now, it's not stopping. It's not stopping, and we're like into like a monologue now, and she's now like repeating the the point she already told me as I'm trying to watch. As I'm trying to watch the show and, you know, I need my full focus. I even like I watch with subtitles just to make sure I get it all. And she's just going and going. And we've like when it, we've rounded the corner of like, all right, we're circling back on points from the beginning of this monologue. I just I said it. I was just like, wow, pretty talkative this episode or something. Dude, really. <laughs> oh, fucked up that one. Really yeah. fucked that one up. Yeah, I mean, tears. And then like we just basically had to stop watching. I, we paused it, discussed it for like 10 minutes. So like a thing that, you know. She didn't get that it was bothering me. I tried to say it a nice way and not being like, can you stop? Uh, I, In hindsight, there's probably a better way I could have delivered that message. Or actually, if I could do it over again, I wouldn't have said anything at all. Just suffered through it. But it's just like, I don't know. It's, you think it's a thing that everybody would pretty much be on board with. Listen, you're talking through the show, you know, fine. But it just came out wrong, even though my intentions were good, I think. Uh it's a big issue. So like you, you like breaking down one day and be like, listen, you know, it's kind of a lot. You need this validation for me or, or for me to, it's a lot for me to think of something, even though it sounds good in your head, it's probably not going to come out that clearly in like a way that's not going to cause a big issue. So I would, I would pump the brakes if you're like at the end of your rope here, thinking about just describing how it makes you feel. Cause that doesn't necessarily always work. Yeah. I mean, insecurity is pretty wild. She seems incredibly insecure, which sucks. Um, and usually, like, you know, those get kind of out of whack, right? Like, the people that shouldn't be secure are, like, you know, the most confident themselves. And sometimes, like, you can get a 10 who just doesn't think she's cute, which is very strange. But it, it's it's pretty annoying. I, I don't know that there's, like, a solution here, though, that, like, really doesn't hurt her feelings. Because, yeah, you can be like, stop asking me. She's going to be like, well, this is lame. You don't care about my feelings. Um, I guess I kind of like Kyle's, like, notebook idea. Because then, like, at least, like, it's still going to be an annoyance to you. But at least, like, you have, like there's something that she can go to whenever she has these thoughts in her mind. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't really have a great solution for this though. It just seems like you're kind of stuck. I mean, it's, you seem like you're out kicking your coverage and you're happy with that, but I, I don't, this, this could be a deal breaker. I don't know. It's definitely going to be annoying. I'm annoyed reading it and I feel bad because there's all these other things that you really like about it clearly. Cause you didn't bring up anything else negative. I think the best move would be, and I know like the easiest thing is just saying, Hey, talk, but you might have to do like a full blown Ryan Gosling, pull her aside. Like that time she asks you before you get in the shower and then you get out of the shower and you know, you're, you're, you're glossed up. You, you wrap the towel around her, you say, or yourself, either one, I guess now that I'm saying it out loud, but you just walk over to a little spot in your apartment, your house, whatever split ranch. And you just, absolutely love bomb her in a way that tries to cut through all the insecurity that Saruti was right on. You're totally right about that. Where you have to like have this speech prepared that's so intense, but so incredible. And she responds so well to it. And then you can even end it with something where you're like, I don't need to tell you that I love you 20 times a day because I'm always going to love you. When you're asking me, no, the answer is already yes. Um, and I just found a thing on brides.com, which is one of my home pages. <laughs> and it has Save the tab. 30. Yeah, this is from an article last year, the 30 best romantic quotes from movies. You could say, like, I'm also just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. You may want to switch that up a little bit. Mm. Uh, you complete me as number one. 
you could have a lot of fun with this and just memorize <laughs> these 30 and just Deploy. you just say, I wish I knew how to quit you, Brokeback Mountain. I want the fairy tale, pretty woman. You're my heir. That's from Brown Sugar. Mm. I'd rather die tomorrow than live 100 years without knowing you, Pocahontas. Um, you know, people do fall in love. People do belong to each other because that's the only chance that anyone's got for true happiness. Breakfast at Tiffany's, very good line. That movie's popular. So if if she doesn't get through to her on like the first one, like when I had heard Gosling's quote about Ava Mendez and he was like, I didn't want to have kids until I met her because I couldn't imagine having kids yeah. without her. Like fucking take it easy than the rest of us, Gosling. You know, <laughs> we're, we're out here. It can't the be streets. that hot. Yeah. Like you're going to be that. And you're going to say something like that on top of everything else you bring to the fucking table. Like, you know, throw in the towel for the rest of us. When I read that quote, I almost teared up. I think I was just in the grocery checkout lounge, that line and saw it on people. I'm like, that fucking guy. So you may have to do something like that, really notebook the shit out of this. And if that doesn't work, then I and you still want to stay with her and you know it's just going to be annoying, I would turn into your own little game here. Again, brides.com has the best 30 lines in romantic movies. That's a it's a good point you bring up though, because it's kind of like the, you know, not not saying you shouldn't buy flowers on a birthday or like a Valentine's Day or whatever, but it's the flowers on like a random Wednesday that actually mean the most. So yeah, it's the compliments that you give that she isn't asking for. Just start, you know, when she gets home from work, just throw her a compliment. Just like do it when it's unexpected and maybe the the, the questions will stop. Or you just do the opposite, right? Where it's just, you get caught smoking cigarettes and you got to smoke the whole pack, which never happened to me, by the way, before you ask. <laughs> and you just, you compliment her until she's like, I'm, I'm really getting mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, sometimes it just needs to be so cut it has to cut through. It has to be super efficient. Like, I forget what it was. I might have had a phone in the family plan or something. And look, I just didn't have any money. And I was bad with this kind of stuff. And my dad called me up out of the blue and goes, hey, I just got a bill for this thing. And I was like, yeah. I don't. And he just cut me off. He goes, hey, pay your fucking bills. And he hung up on me. <laughs> that was 20 years ago. I've never forgotten it. And it, it, what was I going to say? Well, now, I don't think you want to say that to somebody who's potentially going to be your wife. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, this is fucking annoying. But the Gosling version of what my dad did to me, good luck. Yeah. Can you just reverse it, though? I'd be like, what do you like about me? Just always ask. Just just flip it right around on her. I don't know. It sounds like she may like this content. Like, I like <laughs> that you are, you're asking me all the time now. This is fun. Okay. Good luck. Good luck, dude. So Rudy's getting destroyed for being a middle seat guy. I, see, I don't, I don't understand this. Yeah, like the the Rosillo memes guy sent out something that I, but I had a bunch of guys being like, "This isn't that weird at all." Do you feel like so, Rosillo so memes crossed a line, Saruti? No, no, not at all. I just think he's wrong, uh, or she. Um, but I don't probably I don't understand a guy. The big deal. Probably Dudes a guy, sit but... in the middle next. Yeah, probably. But listen, I don't want to listen. It is what it is. Uh, I don't want to put anybody in a box. I will say the middle seat when you're sitting next to your significant other, like that's not that weird. I, I think it's actually more weird that you would go aisle to aisle. I, w- I don't want to do, I'd rather sit next to in the middle next to my wife than sit in a whole row of strangers. I'm also not a big aisle guy, so maybe I'm wrong, but what are people saying? I don't know. Here's where I think it's wrong, and this is because I know you and they don't. But for anybody that's suggesting like Saruti's the simp, that just goes middle seat because he wants to keep his wife happy, which is what's happening. You have to know Saruti and that it's not that. There's a, probably a fine line between easygoing and being a pushover. Saruti's not a pushover. He's just like, whatever. He, he has 
kind of the best approach of anyone I've interacted with, at least on the work side of things, where like you may be annoyed by something, you may even get mad about something, but you don't, you move on. And so if it were as simple as like, hey, my wife will be happier with this seat and I'll just sit here, like I don't give a shit. And that's what I think goes into your decision as opposed to you looking at the window seat guy pining for his position and just letting it churn your insides for four hours on a flight. I think you just are very easygoing in a lot of ways that make you a very easy person to be friends with or, you know, I've never dated you. But so when guys (laughs) are just guys are just pouncing on you as like a beta thing. And it, I'm sticking up for you, not because we're friends, but I'm sticking up for you because I know you and I just know the way you're wired and that you're just like, whatever, I'll just sit here if it makes it easier for her. And I she just had, math, and though. she's a mother. She's a mother now too. <laughs> <laughs> I just think the math of it, right? Like usually the wife is going to like lean on the dude, right? Isn't that how it, isn't that kind of how it's going to play so, out? Yeah. Maybe you next to each other. So why does the dude speech, have the support? Why doesn't the dude have the support of the wall and then she's leaning she, towards you? And then that little space between, you know, the middle seat and the random who all these guys in, on Twitter are just like, I'm not going to have my wife sit next to a random. It's like you're on the other side of your wife. Like, it's not like you're sending her in the gas station while you're fucking, you know, pumping gas. It's like it, it's you, my you're wife, all the, the stakes are low there for all that. So all the dudes that are just like, oh, I'm not going to have my wife sit next to a random if she could sit next to me in a wall. It's like, what's the difference? I just think if you're the that. one who has to be why? Why do you have to be the, the dude that's sitting at a 90 degree angle while you're getting leaned on? Why don't you just lean? You guys all lean against the plane. How about that? Uh, a couple things. Well, one, my wife doesn't like flying. She's not. She likes she likes the aisle because there's easy access to the bathroom or whatever. She needs space. Escape hatch. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Um. And I up. and again to your point, Ryan. Like I just don't care that much. That's so, it. And and sure, like the, the the irony here is like people being like, "Oh, Saruri's a simp," which I I haven't seen that, but I'm sure the emails have flooded in. <laughs> oh, that's if a you, great way to find out. <laughs> if you told my wife, if you told my wife that, like she would literally laugh at you because like I am like I I've told this. I'm moody. I could be a little bit rude sometimes. Like I love my wife; she's the best. But like I will tell her when I think stuff is stupid or when I think like this is fucking dumb. I just don't think this is that dumb. She doesn't like sitting on planes and she wants to sit on the aisle and I'm not just going to, and I don't want to sit in an aisle seat because I don't, I, I don't really care about the aisle. I don't think it's that great of a seat. I'm a window guy. So I'll just sit in the middle. It's fine. Like, I don't really care. So Do I don't you know. Think I think all these people, if your just, proportions were different, you would still feel this way. Maybe, maybe, but I'm a small, yeah, I'm, I'm five ten. Yeah. you know, one sixty. Like I'm not, you know, if I was pushing two bills, like maybe I think though. about, yeah, it's yeah, hard for definitely. me to throw the one sixty goggles on, you know, I just don't even really know what life is like. So uh, Kyle, yeah. would you, would you do this? Would you sit middle and have, have your wife get the aisle or window? No, my wife's in the middle every time she wants to be next to me. I'm also great sitting not next to her if it's just like, hey, she's added herself onto like a trip that I was taking before. Like I was like, oh, I thought you said you couldn't go. And so we just didn't even sit next to each other. And I wasn't like, hey, we're going to try we, the we're going to try the can can I switch with you thing? So uh, you tried that's, it that's and it didn't totally, work. No, I was like, I'm, we're not doing that. I'm not I'm not. You wouldn't I'm even offer it as an option. No, no. Uh, so, but she's, and she's fine with the middle seat. She's, I don't know, five to 110 pounds. It's like, okay, you've got, you, you're swimming in that seat. So that's totally fine. It's never yeah. Th- this happened to me on our flight to, uh, to Portugal. Cause I booked it through Spotify. Cause obviously we were going to Sweden. So whatever. So my wife booked separately and we booked for some reason, like we booked seats next to each other and then they got changed. Right. And we were in completely different areas of the plane. And my wife was like, well, we have to sit next to each other. And I was like, do we, do we, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't care. 
Like if you want to, you could do all of the, the paperwork and call, you know, Delta or whoever or tap air or whatever it was. You could do that. And she did. And she, cause she wants to next me because she gets a little nervous on plane. So it's fine. But I left that up to her. But yeah, that was my question. I was like, do we actually have to sit next to her? So it's all these people that are just coming at me. I, I, I don't, I don't get it, man. It's not that big of a deal. I get it, but I'm defending you. I'm, I get why <laughs> you're wrong, you. but I, yeah, right. but I respect right. you. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, let's do another one here. Bummed out kid freshman year. Six one player comp manage nobly with half the speed and twice the hair. Uh, so I understand I'm probably quite young for what you're normally, what y'all are normally used to giving advice to since I'm 19. I get the feeling most listeners of the show are typically older, but I never miss a show. And I can't ask anyone all caps in my personal real life about this. All right. I met my girlfriend senior year of high school. She moved to our city uh, in Texas. We began dating in December. And after she was a date to my New Year's Eve party with friends, definitely my first love or TBH, even my first serious crush. So yeah, the infatuation was all hella serious from both of us. That's why what happened is particularly shocking. Although according to my dad and my brother, it seems like I'm the only one in the world who is shocked. We went to different colleges, uh, both D1 schools, only three hours each from each other. So it wasn't the end of the world. However, as soon as we decided this in May, my dad and older brother were urging me to call it quits. I chalked this up to them being extremely weirdly hyper-masculine about every little thing on earth uh, and didn't listen to them for a second. I don't understand why you would think it was them being hyper-masculine. Their toxic masculinity. Just, yeah. <laughs> they just want you to enjoy college, buddy. <laughs> yeah, all. right. I don't I don't think that's it. Don't look at all the memes, dude. Um, so I didn't listen to them for a second when they said, you do not want to be the guy who has a freshman college girlfriend in another school. Turns out they called it five weeks in, five weeks in. She got drunk, made out with a guy at a party, according to her. I was gutted. We were fighting for a few days over it, and then I got a message on Instagram from the 23-year-old at her school. He sent me screenshots of their conversation. It was definitely a lot more than hanging out or making out. They hooked up. They hooked up, guys. This is so high He school. told me so he had no idea she was dating anyone and felt like he was doing the right thing by snitching. All right, just real quick. Why is he 23 yeah, what? on <laughs> campus DMing you? Like five weeks makes, in, she could still be 17, dude. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Right. If it makes you feel anybody. He sounds like a fucking clown. So, um, <laughs> yeah. One of those, like, yeah. that, there was like a lot of lacrosse hockey guys that were older freshman year, and it was just a, it was a weird scene. Yeah, yeah. So, sent screenshots. Um, he, he told on the girl because she lied to him. I'd probably appreciate his bro-coded morality more if he wasn't built like a roided MMA version of Zydrunas Ogalskis. We take back what we said earlier about this guy. He sounds awesome and very cool and friendly. He's got the best, yeah. Yeah, real straight shooter. Um, didn't help my wounded pride at all. I am crushed, crying in private over it. Betrayed, questioning myself, my self-confidence as a man feels empty right now. I obviously ended immediately, blocked her on everything. The last thing I told her via text uh, before I blocked was to do me one favor and not tell anyone. We can just tell everyone the distance was too much, so we broke up. Well, the distance kind of was why you broke up, and then this happened. Uh, maybe it's a male instinct, but I don't want anyone to know. I have no support system, though, because I can't tell anyone without feeling completely humiliated. On one hand, I do get regular attention from hot girls. Well, it sounds like you just, your problem solved. <laughs> I was worried about you there, partner, for a little while. Uh, I do get attention from hot girls, but I can't even think about ever trusting a girl again. And obviously, confidence is super low right now. And I feel like I did something wrong. Can't shake that feeling. 
please let me know if there's any experience you guys have had to get past the first betrayal of heartbreak of your life. Yeah, dude, I the same thing happened to me. We already talked about it the one time. Girl came up to yeah. visit me. I thought she was visiting me. She'd wait until I fell asleep. She would sleep with my roommate in his loft and then get back into bed and cuddle with me. So yeah, that stung a touch. All right. Um, I went full dick mode. I was like, well, I guess you just got to be a dick all the time. And that's how it works out instead of being nice. And I was in that phase. Some would say too long. Um, and, <laughs> changed. Yeah. you know, uh, easy. So I think, um, first of all, here's the deal. Because it's the first time it's happening and because you're young, you're freaking out. Your brother and your father are right. Uh, the long-term, long-distance, excuse me, you just add them all up. The idea of the long-distance, long-term college relationship it has like almost zero success rate, okay? It doesn't usually work. And you kind of shouldn't want it to work because then you're limiting your own experiences. So you can't even really be that mad at her, even though she betrayed you, because this is what happens. It's the first time you're sort of out of the house. You think you're an adult, but you're not really an adult. And all of these senses are flying around like crazy and her friends are having fun, but then she's talking about her boyfriend three hours away and the whole deal. And then she feels like she's kind of left out and then she just goes for it with apparently a 23 year old dude who was just hanging out who looks like, I don't know, Chael Sonnen. So um, I think the part for you is that you have to understand that every one of us as older as listening to this could have predicted that all this was going to happen, except for the rare exceptions, which you don't need to hear from. Congrats to you guys. So you're not alone, even though you feel like alone, because it's very normal. Uh, the other part, because it's the first time, those first ones, those first heartbreaks are fucking brutal because you haven't built up the scar tissue for the next ones that are going to come. So yeah, you're feeling something you've never ever felt before because it's following something else that you've never ever felt before. So I can only tell you that it's never going to be as bad as you think. But you're you're letting this get a little weird. Like why you can't tell anyone as if it's some knock on you when you didn't even necessarily do anything wrong here except have outsized hopes for this relationship which is totally fine I'm not blaming you for doing it why do you have such an issue with somebody else knowing about it no one no one's really going to give a shit dude like there's a lot of people this has happened to and if anything it could be a bonding thing with somebody else um what you can't do is you can't let it ruin your freshman year and then your sophomore year and your junior year and be like one of those guys who's like dis devastated and derailed because I can promise you that the time you're wasted obsessing over this, you will regret that time later on. You are at phase one of what is usually like the best four and sometimes longer for other people, the best stage of your life because it's kind of real, but it isn't. And there's always something to do. There's always people around. And look, you're already doing 90%, like better than 90% of the people chiming in to us. You just said hot girls pay attention to you. Problem fucking solved. Use this as a sob story for sympathy. All right? Or don't use it. Try your game out. Go post. Shoot from the outside. Be a 3 and D guy some night. Maybe you set some screens. My point is, is... You need, and I know it's very easy because I don't care about this, but you are saying some things that are way too dramatic for what happened. And you may not understand that right now, but I promise you that I'm right. Yeah, I think you got to shift modes for at least, I don't know, the rest of the semester, if not the year, maybe do some shit you're not proud of. Not in a bad way, but like, 
You just know? saying, be a just you know, let it fly, right, Kyle? Yeah, that's that's what yeah. I mean. Because you're telling you're you're gonna overanalyze all this stuff. Like, oh, can I trust this girl? How can it's like, yeah, we're not we're not even getting into the trust game because she shouldn't be able to trust me either. If you know, right? What I make mean. out so with a like, random. Don't yes. don't wonder like, hey, is she too short or my kid's gonna be short? Like, stop. <laughs> right. Don't think mm. about that with anyone for a little while. Right? Yeah, little little palate cleanser, and yeah, like you can you can totally yeah, a little gelato of the dating game. I like that. <laughs> right. And like, there's really, I've so I've never been in this situation. I really wish I got it over with because now I'm married. If I ever get cheated on, I don't know, but uh, who knows what's gonna happen? But I think like you, you can could, stay with me, Kyle. You thanks you uh, and your old mat. I could use your old mattress, the one that's broken in. So the um, <laughs> what I'm thinking of is like you you could. This isn't as bad as like being like, you know, your girlfriend's going to work and you're making dinner at home. It's like it's not like you weren't enough while you were there. I think it's sort of just like you were you were away. You weren't actually there. And at, well, while I wouldn't use this as your opener to your new group of friends, this isn't something that like nobody's going to be like, oh, that guy sucks. <laughs> like I mean, like that, his dick. Doesn't no one's going to say know. that. Like, nobody's going to say you're, that. Like, right. You're absolutely right, Kyle. That's important. Beyond the heartbreak thing. What you just said is really, really important. No one is going to give you like you hear about. Nick, his high school girlfriend made out with a guy, another school. <laughs> what a fucking loser. Yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you want to bring him to that party? No fucking way, dude. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Go ahead. And Kyle. then your friends get you through all these terrible times, right? So I hope you I hope you have are not being like a wet blanket as far as hanging out with dudes. I know. You didn't say anything. I wish you gave me like two sentences about what your friend's situation is. But I think it's just time to lean on those dudes as long as they're I was just going to say existing. that, Kyle. <laughs> like, I was a little bit nervous because there was, like, no other context about anyone else in your life other than your dad basically telling you to stop being a pussy. Um, <laughs> I, I, I I think he's right. So, as so, I, I think I've told this story before, too. But, yeah, like, I went into college dating somebody. She was a year younger than me. Uh, she was definitely hotter than me. And I was, like, pretty invested what? in it. Yeah. No, she was. Yeah, she was That's impossible. a good-looking girl. Um, and I was very invested in it and it, it just like, wasn't going to work out. I also like, I wasn't going to marry this girl. Like it's it, like, you, but you don't realize that in the time. So we're telling you as older dudes, like you, it's like high school and stuff in high school and college. Like you just look back and you go, man, this shit just did not fucking matter. Like a lot of the personal stuff, the stuff that you thought was the end of the world where like, man, like I'm never going to meet anyone else like this person again. You are like, you just are. Um, but yeah, to Kyle's point about like, I didn't hear anything about any other friends, like you gotta just like start going out. Like you can't, you can't be the wet blanket, as he said. I don't know. Like I'm not endorsing. But you're you know, right. You have and, to. And, and, you cannot. It's like working out on the days you don't want to work out. I'm like oh, I'm not really feeling it. It's the same principle. It's do not sit around and sulk. And I'm not telling you because like in college, whatever I dealt with, I just was like whatever. There's always something to do. It's Wednesday. There's something to do. There's something to do. There's something to do. And you stay in the mix. And I was lucky I had an awesome group of friends, a deep group of friends. There was always something going on. Um, you know, popularity was not an issue or any of that kind of stuff. So I was lucky. Yeah, NBD, super cool. Um, <laughs> but it sounds like you, like the fact that you're getting attention from other women is a huge, you have a massive advantage. You have, unless you're like, totally your perspective is fucked up and you're like actually no none of these women like me but um that's a that's a massive advantage from where a lot of guys are in this situation so you know just don't just don't mope around even if you feel like shit you don't want to do something force yourself to do stuff socially with your friends because the way the one way to like guarantee you won't have friends is to sulk about this and be a bad time like there's a reason why this character is written into every movie and every tv show the breakup 
And the guy like wants to keep talking because everybody knows somebody like that and they're miserable to be around all the time. So even if you're faking it, fake it. Like you're like, this is the best guys. I'm so happy. Thank you for the invite. Do you want to get subs later? So uh, I cannot emphasize that point enough. Get out there, pal. Thanks to Sarudi. Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Cliff. Ryan Russell, podcast, Ringer Spotify. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com forward slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-800-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit Visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.